The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are personal and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of our employers, partners, or other associated third-party entities. Today on the show, we're joined by the tour de force behind the Carry on Accessibility YouTube channel. We're talking about all of the top trends and technology from the year 2023. It's a 2023 retrospective on This Week in Accessibility. Welcome to the show. I'm Des Delgadillo. And I'm Louis Doe. It is the last show of the year, and that is because there's not a whole lot going on in the world of accessibility. People are going home to their families. All the devs are not wanting to, uh, well, dev at the moment. And so we're going to wrap this year up and take a break next week and come back strong in January when we're going to talk about CES. But I wanted to end the year with a bit of a bang. So I thought I'd bring on somebody who we've been following for quite a long time. We're joined this week by Carrie Morales for the whole show. Carrie is an accessibility consultant and tester like us, but she also manages a great YouTube channel where she reviews assistive technology and interviews some of the innovators in that space. Carrie, it's so good to have you on the show. Hey, Des. Hey, Louis. Thanks for asking me to join you guys. Yeah, I mean, um, you're probably the one person I know that has more tech right now than we do. I mean, I, I've been tracking your YouTube videos like for the year and you've gotten to review a Pixel Fold, you've gotten to review a Pixel tablet and um, so many other Google things that I can't even keep track of magnifiers. Um, so if you want to get the update on the newest and greatest assistive tech stuff, you definitely got to check out Carrie's YouTube channel. Gary has so much tech that, that I routinely get texts about her getting tech and I feel very mocked for it. <laughs> okay. A lot of this tech I do have to return. So I want you guys to remember that. It's not like I have a huge library or like a tech armory or something. I'm not I'm not worried about your caveats. <laughs> you still get to play with it. That's you get to play with the fun toys. Yeah, that's the funnest part. That's the best and part. And then and then when they're not shiny anymore, you get to send them back. She operates uh, with Carrie with tech operates uh, on the way I operate with uh, children. I'd love to give them back at the end of the day after uh, you know you hang oh. out or whatever. Like I, I'd love to give <laughs> I'd love to give back back little kids. So I, I babysit for five hours. Like Carrie plays with tech for five hours and she gives it back. Sometimes it's painful to give stuff back. <laughs> Sometimes certain things are like, no, do I really have to give it back to you? Really? Do I have to? Was there something this year that like it physically hurt you to send it back? Uh, actually, probably not this year, but when I got a, a VR low vision magnifier where you like put it on your head, it's just so much fun to play with. And that sounds awesome. I wanted to keep it, but I had to return it. So that's Damn. disappointing. Wow. Well, maybe next, maybe next year, or maybe Santa Claus will uh, will put a a magnifier in your um, stocking. Will it will it fit? Probably not. I don't think it'll fit. No, I don't think so. It'd have to be a Sasquatch stocking. <laughs> well, this year we are looking back on the year that was in 2023, and so I made a list. I checked it twice. Here are some of the big accessibility topics that dominated the year, and I thought we would just all kind of talk a little bit about them since they affect us every single day, both in our jobs and when we're just trying to do things online. We're gonna start with some of the more technical things that affect our jobs every day. So this is probably better if you're a developer or you're involved in creating accessible content every day. But if you wanna hear us talk more about cool tech products, you could join us over 
in the next segment for lots of that. So let's start off and uh, play a little game, guys. TPGI released uh, their list of the top accessibility errors in 2023. And can either of you guess what number one is? What about you, uh, Lewis? Let's start with you. I cannot. What about you, Carrie? You have a guess? Can I phone a friend? Ooh, you, who would you phone? Uh, Des. <laughs> well, Carrie, it turns out that I, in fact, have the answers right in front of me. The uh, number one er error in accessibility this year, as identified by TPGI, is no link text. So that I think we run into that all the time. If, if you are, are listening and you're a sighted person, imagine going on your favorite website and looking at all of the social media links that are at the bottom of the page and not being able to tell which one is going to Twitter, which one is going to Mastodon, which one is going to TikTok. There's so many social media that everyone wants to list it, but nobody bothers to actually put that label. Some people think that the, uh, the logo is enough, but I promise you, there's a lot of folks who are either blind or use voice control technology, right? That are not able to just use the link text. So I think that's a great number one. I think uh, we run into that error quite a bit in our jobs, Lewis. It's the easiest thing to fix. Yeah, literally the easiest. Quick side, quick aside, yesterday I was playing around with some of the uh, AI podcast tools. Oh my gosh, I just got such FOMO because you log into these tools and they're telling you how easy it's going to let you like change the sound of your podcast or do editing on the fly. And it seems like it's going to be so great and convenient. But as soon as you open up any web app, it's a, a sea, an ocean of unlabeled buttons and links. So terrible. And like you said, the easiest thing to fix. So let's, let's get on that devs. Some of the other things that were on this list, the errors, number two was non-active elements in the tab order. Number three was missing link alt text. Number four was nested lists, not listed correctly. Easy for me to say. And, um, there's a whole 10 on there. If you want to go check it out and learn how you can fix them in your own projects, but moving on WCAG, that's the web content. What is it? What does WCAG stand for Lewis? Web content accessibility guidelines, the web content accessibility guidelines. I'm a, I'm an accessibility professional. I promise. Go to the back of the class. Yeah, I will. I'll sit down after this. They released their 2.2 update this year. And um, that, that was back in October. Some of the new criteria that they put in there this year include consistent health, redundant entry, and focus not obscured. These uh, guidelines are, I think, being introduced more as preparation for the future. Right? I think a lot of the guidance that's being issued is for, for people to not completely focus on meeting these guidelines now. But I think if you're building new stuff, I think these are the things that you need to keep in mind, right? Yeah. And with every iteration of WCAG, it becomes more comprehensive. It adds more layers. For example, there's criteria about mobile now for 2.2, and it's going to become, uh, as I said, more comprehensive. But the only use for guidelines is uh, if they're actually being used because it's not legislation, right? Legislation is you need to do this or else. Guidelines is just a very strong suggestion. Um, so guidelines only become effective if devs developed with them. 
Has uh, WCAG 2.2 been affecting you, Carrie? Is that something that you've started advising your clients on using, or is it something that you're sitting on and just kind of waiting for the questions? I'm mostly just waiting on the questions and seeing how things unfold, really. Our next story, the uh, Department of Justice, the DOJ, issued a notice of proposed rulemaking. This was back in July of this year that would, for the first time, explicitly establish web accessibility regulations into the ADA. So previously, the ADA's accessibility regulations have basically defaulted back to WCAG 2.0, which by now is quite old. Tell me how you feel about this, Lewis, because I think we can talk about this for hours. This could go either way because we have, for the first time, somebody in the government actually determining what accessibility looks like, but it could be a completely different vision of what accessibility looks like to us, right? I would agree on that. And I, and the thing about the government is that it moves uh, glacially slow. Um, so as much as I may welcome legislation, specific legislation that explicitly uh, talks about uh, accessibility on the web, I think we're kind of missing the boat a little bit here. Um, as much as web technologies can be very important to us, mobile now is a big thing, right? Uh, like everybody walks around with their iPhone, everybody has an app, you know, things like that, right? And we need access to those things too. And, and it just feels like when le legislation comes along, we we miss the the boom of things, right? We miss the cutting edge. Also, we have to wait. It's just proposed right now. Is it going to be passed? We have no idea. Right. I think we have until April 2024 uh, is when they are going to announce. Uh, I guess people are commenting up through October of this year, and now they're currently reviewing it. And it's apparently going to take six months to do that. So we'll see what we hear when when that gets done. But I'm very excited to see that at least the government is taking an interest in it. And you're right. There is like a long delay in um, re regulation and technology to the point where by the time the regulation is passed, we're already on to the next thing. So I want to give a shout out to um, the European Union, who has already and and to a to a shorter, a smaller extent, I guess, our own U.S., who have also put out a sort of um, I think it's called an executive order. But the European Union is actively trying to already start to regulate AI. And you can have your own opinion on how on how much AI should be regulated, but I think it's it's a really good sign that this this technology is barely a year old and we're already starting to see people try and, and regulate it for good. If you're regulating AI, are you putting accessibility in there? That's my that's my question. It's it's great. It's great that there's regulation, I agree, but is has accessibility been uh specifically and explicitly mentioned with AI? Well, what does that look to like to you, accessibility in AI? Is it just like a accessible interface or are you talking about like getting into the uh, multimodal like video creation and photo generation and stuff like that all of it yeah i mean when chat gpt first came out i think every button on that page was not labeled i think quite a few of them still are not so it's still not a fully intuitive uh, user experience and that's the flagship right now for ai so i totally see where you're coming from um, we definitely got a baking accessibility into that from the beginning and make sure that regulations are are an, are an ally in doing that. The, the biggest two words that I've heard in 2023 was, uh, or, or I should say the, the three words that I, I heard in 23 uh, were accessible, equal, and equitable. 
but I'm really not sure if people really understand what that actually means in terms of disability. Um, because uh, something may be equal, it may not be equitable. You know, accessibility. You may you may be able to log on like the the URL is accessible to you because you're able to log onto the page, but then the interface dies off because you get a bunch of unlabeled buttons. Right. Or they send you to a completely different website. We see people do that all the time. I I, I hate comparing it to, you know, our, our our country's civil rights struggles, but it is a kind of, kind of feels that way a bit where you're just sending a different type of person to a different place because of factors that they can't control. But anyway, let's, let's talk about some lighter stuff, guys. Um, some happy things happened this year as well. Something that I love to, t uh, to see is the Oscars for the first time provided ASL interpreting on the red carpet, as well as audio descriptions for the red carpet event and award show. Are either of you uh, big movie fans? Yeah. I, what is the Oscars? Oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I do know what that is. Well, a couple different guys uh, named Oscar uh, come on the TV for like five hours and they just talk about movies. And that's that's what the Oscars is. Mm, I'd be completely you, lost. You would love it. <laughs> they also uh, did audio description this year for the Grammys. And uh, that was also for the first time. So I just love the fact that these are like mainstream happenings, right? Everybody gathers around and watches these things, or at least in theory, that's how it's supposed to go. Streaming, I think, is cutting into that quite a bit. And so maybe there's um, an ulterior motive as well for putting these accessibility features in now so that we have more people praising this instead of talking about, oh, the, the Grammys, nobody's watching the Grammys this year or people are just watching it on YouTube. So I, I'm looking at it both from a like, I'm happy as a blind person that these things are happening and I'm happy for uh, viewers who are deaf that they're finally getting equal access to this stuff. But I'm also looking at it kind of cynically like, Maybe uh, maybe this you, you were waiting for the right time to pull these things out. Netflix also stepped up its game this year, adding subtitles, that's custom subtitles, to its players. There has been a long-standing complaint for people, even though that Netflix has had subtitles for uh, years. You were never able to customize the fonts, the colors, uh, the size of the text, and that stuff is really important for somebody who is low vision. Um, or maybe even just for somebody who wants, uh, who just wants bigger subtitles so they can focus in better. Carrie, have you gotten a chance to play with these subtitles at all on Netflix? I have not. No. Netflix, if you want to give uh, Carrie a subscription <laughs> so she can test out this new feature, you know how to reach her. What I wonder is there are caption controls uh, on platforms. So for Android, within Android, you can change caption uh, fonts and size and background. And I wonder if it will automatically adjust um, for Netflix or you have to control that on Netflix itself. Yeah, that's a good question. I watch a lot of Netflix, but I watch it directly on my Fire TV. So I'm going to have to get in there mm -hmm. and play with it on Android and I will let you know. We can talk more about it. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about assistive technology products that stood out to us this year with the lady who knows all about them, Miss Carrie Morales on the other side. Okay, in this part of the show, I wanted to talk about some of the coolest, the greatest, the most life-changing accessibility uh, products, assistive tech products and services that have come out this year or some have 
been out for a while, but have really taken it to a new level this year. I wanted to start off with talking about something I don't really get to play with too much because it doesn't benefit me as a total, um, but magnification products. Uh, quite a few have come out this year. Carrie, I saw you do a review of one on your YouTube channel. Can you speak to what some of the best magnification products are this year uh, for somebody who who's low vision? Uh, None exist. No. There hasn't really been much. I mean, the ones that I reviewed does are suck. So <laughs> I don't know if you want me to say that they suck. <laughs> Because that's pretty much what I said on the on my video. Why do they suck? Like, what could make what could make them better? Because I'm I'm here thinking like it's 2023. These things should be these things should be perfect by now. A lot of them just don't have very good screens in the world of mobile technology, where we have OLED screens and mini LEDs. These are from I don't know. 2010 where it's tft displays which is incredibly disappointing for me because it's just when you look at a modern smartphone and you look at these magnifiers there there's absolutely no comparison and then they still have mini usb chargers that is just unacceptable uh, it's really disappointing the how outdated the Did technology. You say mini? Yes, I said mini. Not micro? Not even micro. No, this is before okay. micro. I walk into Best Buy and ask for a mini USB charger and they will laugh at me. <laughs> I was trying to think if I even had one. So Yeah. No, I remember I think like printers in the nineties use mini USB if I'm if I'm thinking correctly. There's also I've been searching for a CCTV for about two years now that I want to update my old one, um, especially since my son is also visually impaired and we do homeschool. And I've bought about three, which were huge investments, and I've returned them all because they're all just nothing like what I would expect from technology in 2023. So that's really disappointing. But I will say that Google came out with the Pixel magnifier app. So that's that's pretty cool. You can get it only on Pixels, though. I wish they would just make one that's universal for Android. Right. But yeah. Well, maybe now they'll have to after that whole uh, jury made them. I don't know if that will be a part of it, but who knows, right? Mm -hmm. And one more thing would be improvements to the iOS magnifier app. It's actually had improvements that had nothing to do with magnification. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite um, features now is point and speak. And while it's not perfect, it uses AI and you can point your iPhone at like, for example, an appliance and you use your other hand and you point at the different buttons or labels and it'll read it for you. It's not perfect, but it really does work pretty well on my microwave, especially because it's I'm really short and it's really high up and it's hard to see anything even with like a magnifier. I'm I'm putting the call out right now to anybody who's still working on these magnification products. What are you doing? I mean, not only are these things severely marked up, right? Like you're paying so much more mm -hmm. for this. Why are we still putting antiquated technology into these things? Well, that's the thing with AT, and the argument has always been, uh, at least the one that I've that I've heard most common is the, oh, it's it's a small incidence market. We just we just don't have the resources to give people the latest and greatest. 
Mm, no. Uh, I mean, they say it more politely than that. But at this point, with mainstream options, I, I'm very reluctant to to give my money to an AT company. Mm -mm. For example, a CCTV, the one that I was looking at, is three thousand dollars. I find that you know, a probably even a mid-range tablet or phone would have better quality than some of these. In, in one way, that's very sad. And in another way, it's very encouraging, right? Because we have these mid-range phones that are going to be surpassing these assistive tech. We may see where we're going to drive these specialized companies out of business, right? Is that something that either of you could see happening with, especially with Google and Apple putting, I guess, not all of the resources, but definitely more resources into making these experiences much more beneficial than these assistive tech companies. There's always going to be a place for the assistive technology industry, but what is going to separate the ones that make it from the ones that don't comes out of one simple fact. Are you listening to your consumers? Are you interfacing better with the Googles and the Apples and the Amazons of the world to make your products more integrated with mainstream solutions? Are you offering people solutions that allow them to, I don't know, do more, do more than the basic things that we, we, we've all been offered by assistive technology, right? Are you offering them a better quality of life? Are you, are you offering them a way to get employment? Because the, the pathway from a specialized device to independence, it's really not clearly marked out, right? Like, oh, you should get this because it's a magnifier or it's a screen reader, but nobody really outlines how you use it to be successful. But with mainstream products, you actually see people using them in all kinds of creative and, and, and um, awesome ways. And, and and you can see why you want in on that. So it, it, consumerism, right? Economics, it, it, it comes down to the, 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 the fact of, are you listening to your consumers? And are you offering us anything that we want? Mm -hmm. There's always going to be certain features that mainstream companies aren't going to implement in their products that people with disabilities may want. And that's where AT comes in. The major problem that I have is, you know, these AT companies, most of them don't see us as the target market. It's always agencies, mm -hmm. at least in the U.S. Yes, agencies and government. And until that changes, I don't think these products are even accessible um, as individuals. It's not along the same, re same realm. It's, so it's not magnifiers, but um, as a totally you know, blind person, I use uh, screen readers and, and a screen reader that I will not name only became innovative because Microsoft changed their um, development cycle, right? So perpetual development with Windows 10 or Windows 11. And then a certain major AT company was like, oh my gosh, we may be screwed considering there's an open source and free option out there. It's galling that in 2023, we're still not looked at as consumers by the AT industry as a whole. Very well put, Lewis. Let's let's talk about, actually, we just kind of talked about Apple and um, Apple was definitely in the news this year. This was an article that uh, Mark Gurman, 
who's one of the uh, the leak gurus for Apple, um, he he posted this earlier this week about what Apple's 2024 is looking like. Uh, he writes, Apple plans to retain the iPhone 15's design while increasing screen sizes on the Pro version. Lower end models will get the action button and there will be a new dedicated button for taking video, but it will be the company's wearables business, including the upcoming Vision Pro, AirPods and Apple Watch that take center stage. So he's talking about the roadmap for 2024. I'm specifically really interested in the Vision Pro. Carrie, I know you did some videos um, earlier this year, kind of digging into what the accessibility use would be of that. And then I think um, the Apple Developer Labs actually did some really cool workshops on some of the accessibility features that they were building in. Um, what, what are your thoughts right now? It, we're in December. Mark Gurman is saying probably February 2024 release. I mean, I can't imagine you not getting to play with one of these. I'm trying to work out something with a connection of mine. So hopefully I can get it in my hands. Um, one thing for me is, yes, there are gestures you can do so you can control uh, voiceover or Zoom. And there's other accessibility features, which I've gone over um, in other videos. But what? why for a blind person, why are we going to put on this bit bulky headset what can it possibly do or offer that we can't do on our phone that's what would make it easier that's my overarching question do you guys have any ideas well my thought is is kind of related to yours because i don't see any sort of benefit on the surface and i don't think apple does either i think apple is counting on the creativity of whoever they are pushing these kits out to, the developers that they trust. I think they're counting on them to come up with some creative uses for um, people who are blind and visually impaired. I'm not so sure that Apple, although they are, of course, um, they uh, kudos to them for building the accessibility into it and, and those gestures and considerations from a pretty early stage. But I'm not sure if, if Apple is left to their own devices I don't think this is really going to be targeted at us. I strongly disagree. Oh, let me know what's going on. I, I strongly disagree because I, I'm going to hearken us back to to when the iPhone first came out. And what did what did every blind person say? Completely oh unusable. It's can't all use touch it. screen. Can't use it. Oh no my buttons. God. No buttons. No touch screen. Oh my god. Oh my god. The world. The world's over. Where's my Nokia N95? But look at us now. The iPhone changed so many lives in, in, in ways big and small. People who lose their vision in life can have tools on their devices that can um, help them gain a measure of independence. We're going to cover some apps later on that, that are on both uh, iPhone and Android, but iPhone and, and, and iOS... Um, embraced accessibility in such a way that developers have pathways to make their apps accessible. And many apps on, on iOS just become accidentally accessible because Apple um, planned things out so well, so well and have such a strong foundation and commitment towards accessibility. 
So I think with the Vision Pro, it, it's going to really disrupt things because it's gonna, it has a start somewhere and it may be this big and bulky device now, but it's not going to be this big and bulky device in five years. It has the potential. We were just talking about magnifiers and, and assistive technology companies not taking us seriously as consumers. Well, this is going to really disrupt it because if you're wearing it, and, and and there's cameras and sensors and, and, and all this stuff that's built into it, you become hands-free, right? This device can look around for you. Developers can develop, can just imagine, well, we talking about this, but let's imagine using Be My AI hands-free. Yeah, that's a really good right? point. That would look really cool. People people who who have motor impairments, what does that signify for them, right? So this 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 has many. This is an industry disruptor, and I'm very excited about it. I'm very excited for for frankly, I'm very excited in 2024 onwards for AT companies to panic. I'm very looking forward to that. One of the features that I would like to see is magnification on the Vision Pro. But my thing is, yes, there's a lot of potential. And it's really going to be up to developers to figure that out. But there, there's two approaches to wearable technology, right? There's the one where you're completely enclosed, like the Vision Pro. You see just screens. And there's another uh, approach to it where it's more like glasses, where there may be a screen or there may be some way to project it. But most of the computing power isn't directed to the screens and the visual experience and you still have access to the real world and i'm more excited about that technology than necessarily like more of a vr experience or a virtual reality experience no i i'm super excited to see what they do with all that i think at least for me and lewis i think we're on very different sides of the spectrum uh so I'm I'm excited to see who wins out here uh, when the Vision Pro comes out and we start to see what sorts of uh, experiences these developers have put together. Because I watched um, the accessibility demo of them showing the voiceover gestures, and I think the game was like um, popping artificial bubbles or something. And you know I, I'm not I'm not super interested in that. But if if we can build something uh, that's that's more <laughs> than that, um, then I I mean. We, we will see. I'm not dropping $4,000 on it, but uh, we will see what, what happens. However, if you would like to donate Vision Pros to us. Oh, we're absolutely open. Yeah, Carrie <laughs> yeah, has a P.O. box, and I'm sure she can ship them on over to us mm -hmm. when, when she's done with them. Uh, I'll create a P.O. box if I have to. <laughs> Another uh, big thing I, I really wanted to get to, because how can you talk about 2023 without it, is AI, right? AI has... Yes. permeated accessibility, not just for people like us who are blind, but for people who have motor disabilities, people who are deaf. I mean, AI is already completely changing the way people can interact with technology. And of course, that all started late last year when this uh, little known app came online called ChatGPT. And um, since then, it has become the most, I think, popular app, I dare say, ever. Um, and let's just start by talking about how have how have you two used ChatGPT to to really start diving into transforming the way that you work. 
the integration of ChatGPT with other products made my head spin, right? So ChatGPT with Bing, ChatGPT uh, with um, Be My AI, uh, it, it made my head spin how, how fast that company just took over our collective consciousness. Then in, I think it was May, GPT-4 uh, started working in conjunction with the people over at Be My Eyes, and um, they announced that they would be bringing out this this product called, um, I think it was at first called like Visual Interpreter or something like that. Virtual Volunteer. Virtual Volunteer. There you go. And um, they, they later changed it to Be My AI because branding. But my gosh, I mean, if there is one app that I can point to that has boosted my productivity this year, it is that app, not just from recognizing pictures of of uh, like cartoons and things like that, reading comic strips, but just getting the idea of looking at logos and understanding kind of the uh, fundamentals of logo design and um, things like that. That's what I've been using it for. What As a, somebody who's been creating content for many years, Carrie, how have you seen um, ChatGPT, Bard, these kinds of new experiences change the game for how you create content? Really, for me, it's a starting point. Um, when I am creating a blog or a video, I need, it's hard to start. And that's where this really comes in for me to oh. give me ideas, give me an outline, give me uh, just the direction to go in and then work from there. Because AI is not perfect and we can't always use everything that it generates uh i would definitely right. recommend not to at <laughs> yeah. least uh, so use some common mm -hmm, sense please. exactly and always double check of course um and so for me that's really where it's at or also i would say summarizing uh, things that you may not want to sit there and listen or watch an eight-hour conference but just give it some links and say hey what happened here? Tell me the highlights. And there you go. You saved how many hours? I work on the opposite end of the spectrum from Carrie. Uh, it, it seems like with these two, whatever they agree, I'd like to agree the opposite. Um, <laughs> for me, content generation is never really a problem. It's content refinement because I... Uh, I call it word vomit. I will just vomit all over a Google Doc for like an hour or two. And then um, I'm just like, I, I can't even read my own writing. Good Lord, this is bad. And ChatGPT has really helped me refine that um, and really tighten up on on how I, uh, on like my, my output um, and, and the sentences and that I like to use or would like to use if my, my brain actually worked. I think it also, I've, I've, I've used it to, to check like tonality. So if I, if I write down an idea and I want it to make it more succinct and I want to make it uh, sound a little more user-friendly and, and, and have a, a warmer tone, which I'm, I'm really not good at. Cause I, I, if I had my way, I just, I would have been like, I would be like, here's a link, do something with it. But Obviously, you can't get you can't get along in the world with that attitude, and uh, so ChatGPT really helps. I I can literally write down, here's the link, go do something with it, 
And then I go to ChatGPT and say, hey, ChatGPT, I'm saying this is what I wrote below. Here's the link. Do something with it. Can you make it sound a little nicer? And it does. And it's great. And it, it, it makes me sound like somebody people want to get along with. It's awesome. That's so interesting <laughs> because I always have the opposite problem when I tell it to, okay, uh, start off an article about X, Y, or Z. I'm like, this is so dry. Can you add some personality into it? And then it just goes overboard. And I'm like, okay, let's find something in the middle, please. It's just so hard to make it warm and passionate, but professional. I don't know how how you're doing that. I also correct it a lot along the way. Um, and I think you mm -hmm. can you can write custom instructions for it now, right? Like there's a there's an area where you can write instructions. Yeah. So like I I constantly monitor it, and like I'm not nice about my my, my criticism. Like if I if I actually gave the, the criticism I give ChatGPT to a real life human being, good lord, um, that wouldn't have been, that wouldn't be fun for anybody. So like that that helps a lot. I think it's like if you're on it consistently, like, and then you keep on telling it, fix it, fix it. You're wrong. You're bad. You're wrong all the time. It, sometimes it gets it right. Don't just don't do that with real humans. Just do that with <laughs> AI. But aside from um, actually just manipulating text content, we've seen AI scale so rapidly. So not only did we have them build the BMI AI app, we also have people using um, AI to transcribe their content. We were talking earlier, people are using AI now to edit their podcasts. Um, Screen readers are having add-ons that, that leverage the power of AI. Yeah, and let's not forget about the smart glasses um, that are, I, I remember Envision, um, this company from, I believe the Netherlands in 2020, started selling these glasses saying, hey, they use AI, they do this. And it was basically just putting, in my opinion, seeing AI into a pair of glasses. But since then, they've really been, I think right now they're using the uh, GBT 3.5. So they're still not on the level of a Be My AI, for example. But just the fact that they're baking these, these APIs into their products later and that these APIs are so available. I mean, I think that's amazing. Another uh, glasses, smart glasses manufacturer um, that you spoke to recently, Carrie, on your latest uh, podcast episode was Celeste. And can you just tell us a little bit about what, what this one is? Because I, I uh, admittedly have not heard too much about Celeste until I uh, learned about them more on your show. Yeah, so they look very similar to regular glasses, uh, maybe a little thicker on the sides where, uh, what do you call that? On the your frames? Temple? Yeah, the frames. Um, so maybe they're a little thicker and then the frames. Um, and in the middle, there's a camera. And so you have the regular functionalities like seeing AI or Google Lookout. But now there's also AI and it has a smart assistant and a scene describer, very similar to Be My AI. And it uses GPT. I'm not sure if it's 3.5 or 4. Um, and you can ask it anything. And there's they're planning to do more with it so you can continuously take pictures and have it fulfill a prompt so read all the stores uh so for example read all the stores as i pass by them and it's supposed to be able to do something like that so i'm really excited for it if it works right i don't have access to it i don't 
I don't know yet. And we'll just have to see how uh, what the actual experience is going to be like. It's so funny to me that we're seeing the, the Apple Vision Pro now. We're seeing all these glasses. Um, there's the, what is that thing called? The human AI pin. Um, but, you know, 10, yeah. 10, 11 years ago when Google Glass first came out, everybody was freaking out. Yeah. Oh, I people were getting mm -hmm. laughed at too yeah, because it yeah. looks so ridiculous. Yeah. They even have the new meta frames and I just saw a video of it doing something similar to Be My AI and um, describing something. So I don't know if you want to wear something that's owned by meta. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. that's also another option there. It's not only AT companies. I refuse to give Zuckerberg my money, but that's just my opinion. Well, <laughs> that's what Zuck is counting on um, because I've, I've heard that Meta is really interested in pivoting more into the wearables um, market as well. So, and they really, they really showed their hand this year by calling themselves the Metaverse, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So, mm, yeah. But I'm so glad that you did bring up Meta, Carrie, because I um, I watched, or I guess I, I had AI summarize for me a uh, panel that um, somebody from Meta did over at Site Tech Global, and he was really talking about some of the different uh, uses for the AI glasses, especially the, the types that Meta is putting out. And he did share things about reading and image recognition, but also the ability to just start interfacing directly using your voice and completely eliminating the need for interacting with a computer, which if, if you have limited use of your hands or, or something like that, that's like a, an incredible game changer. Um, so somebody over at um, oh, a newsletter that we like to read quite a bit called uh, Top Tech Tidbits uh, did a, a, a good little summary of this talk. And, and they really brought up a great point that I wanted to read here on the air. This is from Aaron de Blasi, the uh, publisher over at uh, Top Tech Tidbits. He writes, the question arises if AI through devices like smart glasses can interpret web content for blind users, is there still a need for websites to be coded for compatibility with human operated screen reading software? And um, I thought that was a really good question because in, in the way I look at it is it's kind of like a yes, but not yet kind of thing. And tell, tell me if you guys think I'm, I'm wrong about this, because I'm imagining in 10, 15 years, I, I think the way everybody uses their computers is going to be vastly different from how we see it today. Vastly different, but I'm really tired of this trend that I'm seeing throughout mainstream and, and, and accessibility slash assistive technology where, it, where they collide. And, and the trend that I'm seeing is kicking the buck down the road so someone or something else in this case ai has to deal with it we're not going away as people with disabilities and and so are you saying that we we i mean obviously for for the next 10 15 years right at, until the paradigm shifts we obviously need to keep these um like the wecag updates that we talked about earlier or the new the the government's nprm like just things like that are obviously going to be pivotal um, to keeping our accessibility. But I think in 10, 15 years, even the WCAG may look different, right? Just because we're going to be looking differently at computers. I agree. However, I, I, I'll put it this way, though, then. Um, when the world is completely ready to 100% depend on AI, 
then you're uh, then you can let let AI deal with the accessibility. But let's not let's not kick the ball down the let's not kick the can down the road just yet. Yeah, I agree with Lewis on this one. Well, there you go. This is the first what? time for everything, guys. First time for everything. The sky's <laughs> falling. One th one more thing, Lewis, that you added to the outline um, that I wanted I wanted you to kind of talk to us about was um, Accessibly, which is one of the companies um, known for their uh, accessibility overlays, um, which for for the uninitiated is just uh, an absolutely um, usually counterproductive way to bake in accessibility. Um, after the fact, usually does not work the way intended, and it's just usually a way for people to spend ungodly amounts of money. Accessibility actually put out an apology this year. Can you can you tell us a little bit about what the heck they were apologizing for? So, so I guess we, we we let's start the conversation by explaining to both what is an accessibility overlay. Yes, yeah, so an accessibility overlay is a uh, generally a code based solution. So you can put a snippet of code anywhere on your website. And what it purports to do is to then give people the ability to adjust their settings for accessibility. Some overlays will even go as far as to change settings to supposedly make them more accessible. Now, in a lot of people's experiences, a majority, I would dare say, of people's experiences have found that these overlays do the opposite. And they're in fact just adding more clutter to web pages and they're adding features that don't actually support people with disabilities or in some cases make their usage of a website experience much more difficult than it would have been otherwise. Um, one of the leading companies that markets an accessibility overlay service is Accessibility. And um, over the last, I would say, two, three years, they have been under extraordinary fire, um, not just for their overlay, and the fact that it's not doing often what it's supposed to do. But I think they are also, they were um, very reactive um, to the criticism in a, in a, in a very negative way, um, which definitely is not something that will, that will endear you to the disabled community. Does that sound right? Sounds correct. So somebody had a change of heart somewhere because, and, and I think, I really think this is them Specifically, the CEO of Accessibility. Specifically, yeah, their CEO. They published an apology letter earlier this year talking about how they understand where people with disabilities are coming from and trying to trying to build some much-needed empathy with the people who have been so critical. I do feel, though, after... I mean, I, it feels to me like it's a little uh, too little too late when it comes to a company like this. And I don't know, what what do you think about them kind of reversing course? So uh, the biggest part that uh, I find egregious about overlays is the snake oil salesman tactic that uh, overlay companies use, right? Do, you, can, do I think that overlays potentially can have benefit? Absolutely. Do I think how they uh, historically have been... Um, marketed and 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 the people behind them have, have uh, do, do i agree or um or do i like those uh past practices absolutely not um because as people with disabilities and, and as people who work in accessibility we know that accessibility is a bigger issue than 
here's this magical line of code. It's going to fix everything, right? And frankly, we were never the consumers of this technology. They were selling it to, to companies. Oh, you know, you don't want to be... You, you don't want to be sued by those, you know, annoying, pesky, disabled people. Buy our little overlay. It'll fix all your problems. Meanwhile, there are actual accessibility developers, testers, specialists, consultants, analysts out there who are queuing up in lines to get a job, to add their voice to society, to improve uh, user interfaces, to show people that disability is creative and beautiful and all those things that everybody else and all those adjectives that everybody else gets to use to describe themselves, right? But instead of marketing to us, instead of bringing us into the conversation and asking how can we all work together to make these overlays a viable solution uh, and viable tools that will add positive value to the world, they actively ignored us. They actively gaslit us. They actively told us that we were whiny. We were complaining. They actively told us that we were wrong. And they actively told us that we were lying about our experiences. That's why I have a problem with it. And, and I'll be, I'll be honest that, that little apology letter, uh, you know, it, it's great that this dude is, you know, in his late twenties and he has a company and everything, and and I'm sure he, he's enjoying his millions as he's profiting off the uh, misery and the lack of access for people with disabilities. Um, and it's really nice that he like fired his whole management team, you know, his whole accessible uh, his team there uh, over there at Accessibility. But uh, who was the leader? It was you, bro. Fire yourself. We'll see. I mean, we'll see what they can do in the next year or so if, if they can redeem themselves. But I haven't seen any more steps in that direction since that uh, that letter came out. And uh, yeah, it's just putting a Band-Aid on a situation. Really, really what they're doing there. And they really underestimated that people with disabilities have teeth. Because the next item in our show notes is a little Chrome extension called Accessi Bye Bye. And it's a, a Chrome extension that will work on all browsers running uh, Chromium. So Chrome, Edge, Brave. Um, and it was developed by a blindness company called Numa Solutions. And it blocks these overlays. That's amazing, right? Like being able to, because those things get annoying really fast. So just be able to get rid of them all with the click of the button. I think it's amazing. And, and it's it's so funny. They probably didn't even expect that we could do that for ourselves. You know? So it's it's uh in in many ways I'm really frustrated about it, but like we're going to have the last laugh because we always do. You know, I could have this conversation all day and talk about stuff like this, but we have to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the wins and the fails in accessibility for the whole year. We'll be right back. All right. For the final time this year, we're going to talk about our big wins and big fails in accessibility. But this time we're turning it out for the whole year of 2023. Lewis, why don't you go first? AI for me, um, specifically Be My AI and the iPhone 15 Pro. Uh, I came from the iPhone SE 
So it was a massive upgrade for me. Um, and uh, it's just incredible what, what Be My AI can do and how much I'm doing with it. I was checking my thermostat earlier today um, and uh, knew exactly, it, it, it knew exactly uh, what temperature I was setting it to um, and things like that. And it's, it's, it's been quite the game changer in how I interface with the visual world. Oh man, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I love that. Mine is a little less serious than that. Mine is video games for 2023. Pew, pew, pew. I um, not only am super supportive of Forza and games like that that have become in fully accessible to blind players and um, games like Brock the Investigator, all sorts of things that we talked about on last week's show. Um, but the thing that I really, I really wanted to give kudos to was uh, Hearthstone. The game from Activision Blizzard. It's a very popular card uh, collecting game, and and you battle each other, similar to Magic: The Gathering. And what is so remarkable about it is that Blizzard themselves are not doing anything right now to make the game accessible. The game is being made accessible by a group of unpaid coders who uh, love Hearthstone and who want to make it accessible to people who are blind. And so once these people decide. Uh, we don't want to do this anymore. We have jobs now or anything like that. This game is gone, but they've been um, building this and maintaining it for the past year. Hearthstone has updates every two weeks or so. So it's just an incredible amount of effort that these guys are putting in for absolutely no money uh, to make a game like that accessible to people who are blind. So I would definitely recommend you check them out on Hearthstone Access. Just Google that and uh, you'll find the mod and and ways to get involved and even ways to donate because um they they could sure use it i'll tell you that much a disclaimer that needs to be said here uh yeah it's not okay to ask people with disabilities or people who work in the accessibility and disability focused field to do work for free just absolutely just not very clear yeah no and that's that's the whole like everyone is pushing because blizzard has made made their statements clear that they plan on building native accessibility into Hearthstone. They say it's on the roadmap. Now, I don't, I personally don't even know how much longer Hearthstone has in terms of popularity. For any, for every time somebody tells me that it's, that, that accessibility is on the roadmap, if I, if I was given a penny for every time I've heard that, I would be a billionaire by now and I would solve all the accessibility problems in the world. Well, all I'll say is, Hire these guys, you know. I'm just wishing Nintendo would jump in with this accessibility. It's it's yes, a shame. Please. It really is a shame. Uh, I recently got a Switch and I had to set it up all by myself, and that was honestly a nightmare. Um, <laughs> and one thing that drives me crazy is the fact that there's all these text-based games, like okay, let's just say Pokemon or mm -hmm. um, Final Fantasy. This is text. These are text-based games. The story is all in text. There's no excuse to not have that uh, an ability for a screen reader to read that in 2023. Yeah, I completely agree. And one thing that um, Victor Dima shared last last week, and we can hope for this in 2024, is the new Switch that is rumored to be coming out is going to be on more modern software, and so maybe they'll be able to bake in some text-to-speech. I'm not holding my breath just based on, um, you know, it being Nintendo and them, them never really stepping up um, for accessibility. 
but I, I think if we put in, we, we just need to vote, you know, with our dollars mm -hmm. and put that pressure on Aren't them. Aren't they based in but Japan? They are. So that's a shame because there's a lot of accessibility in Japan. So I don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, that that might be something to investigate too. I know they do have some a really lot. good accessibility features in Japan, but I also know that there could be some sort of cultural, cultural things, right, that might be pushing them in the other direction. Carrie, mm -hmm. do you have? Uh, I think you, I think Nintendo may have been your big fail for the year in accessibility. Do you have anything to end positively? Well, Lewis stole my win. So there. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely AI. Should I wish I went first? Why are we agreeing twice <laughs> on a show to prove me wrong? That's also her win, by the way. But she can't count that uh, in, the, in the technology yeah. win. The accessibility win for the year is Lewis. There we go. Congratulations, Lewis. <laughs> oh, God. God help us all. That's true. Hey, we're going to get out of here again. We got no show next week, but we'll be coming back at the beginning of January to talk to you all about the Consumer Electronics Show and previewing it and maybe talking about some of the things from last year and what we would like to see from them in 2024. But in the meantime, don't forget to follow Carrie on accessibility on YouTube. I'll have a link to her channel in the show notes. Lots of stuff for you to enjoy over the next week while you don't have us in your ears. By far, by far the best content. And so well edited, Carrie, I must say. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next time. Time for the credits. Thank you so much to Carrie Morales for joining the show. You can find her work over on Carrie on Accessibility on YouTube. Our theme music was Rollin' at Five, produced by Kevin McLeod and available freely from Incompetech.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are personal and do not necessarily reflect the policies of our employers, partners, or associated third-party entities. Happy New Year!